Greetings one and greetings all. We are back and better than ever as we extend into the wonderful world of leadership through the Leadership Conversation. What is TLC? Well, I am so glad you asked. It is the podcast series from the Center for Leadership and Character at William Woods University that aims to answer the critical ethical questions facing leadership that our world needs us to answer most. I am Tony Andonaro, Executive Director for the Center of Leadership and Character and the Chief Advancement Officer for this fine university. And I get the privilege of being your host, nay, guide on this dynamic deluge of dialogue. As always, I'm joined today by my trusty graduate assistants, Kayla Daniels. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Ellie Mahoney. Hello. And today we are joined by the third, even more trusty GA, Cassidy Phillips, everyone. Hello. All right. So now that we have a perspective for our pathway to promise that will ultimately inform our leadership journey for our listeners, let's go to work. Our guest today is someone that I met about a year ago. He is amazing in the classroom and a true scholar of research that informs his discipline. He currently serves as full professor, director of presidential projects, and director of the social work program, creating awesome opportunities for students to create impactful change in our world. However, that only tells part of the story. He has an indomitable spirit and enough one-liners to make the best Southerner smile. He brought his talents from he brought his talents north from the great state of Texas and has been a mainstay of our push for university excellence since the day he stepped foot on campus. And he has the uncanny ability to cut through the minutia and focus on what we actually need to be focusing on. A beard that would make Zach Brown envious in a fishing and outdoor career that has Bass Pro wearing his hat. Crew, without further prolonging, prolonging postponement, or procrastination, please join me in welcoming the radical radiant of research, the absolutely astounding orchestrator of outstanding, the captivating captain of community cultivation, the burnt orange brander of bravado, our director of presidential projects, full professor, and director of the social work program from right here on the beautiful William Woods University campus, the often imitated but never ever duplicated Dr. Steve Cooper, everyone. Oh my gosh, Steve, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh and, my gosh. And thanks for the intro. I mean, I feel like, you know, if the mic wasn't hanging here, I'd have to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Steve, I have to tell you, this is a very special day because you are the first person I have ever interviewed from the University of Texas. What a privilege for you, huh? Yeah, and that is hard for me considering that I went to the other Maroon School uh, across the state, the. Um, Texas A&M University so but we are still glad to have you and we will allow your burnt orange flag to shine proudly above this podcast thank you awesome okay so let's get on into it we would love for you to start by just telling us a little bit about where you developed your passion for social work and how that translates into a foundation for your leadership well I kind of I came to social work as a graduate student um, and I got there in a roundabout way um, originally my undergraduate, well my undergraduate is in psychology with a criminal justice minor and my original intent was to be a clinical psychologist and I got sidetracked as an undergrad um, my junior year I had to choose a major and I chose criminal justice um, probably watched Chips too much as a kid <laughs> you know? Ponch and John yep and uh, when I graduated I decided I wanted to uh, pursue law enforcement so I ended up in police academy 
and did a couple years in law enforcement, but I did not let go of wanting to be in the helping professions, specifically with mental health somehow. So I started looking again after a couple years of going back to school and after asking around, got directed to social work, um, mostly because of its the, the multiple pathways that are, op- that, are, that are available to you. But when I got into social work in my first couple of classes, I was like, man, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. This yeah. is, this is yeah. the fit. You know, it was the, the larger systems perspective and understanding that it's, there are individual choices and aspects to problems that are related to that, but there's these larger systemic issues that drive it and bigger system problems. And yeah. you've got to look at things from the bigger perspective. So sitting there listening to that and after having been in law enforcement for a couple of years and seeing it was like, yeah, this makes complete sense. Yeah. It's fascinating because you, you started out thinking about it from a psychological perspective, which would make me think it was almost like a micro perspective. And then the opportunity to actually see it on a daily basis through your law enforcement career really helped you to understand it from a more holistic perspective, almost like a macro level. That's cool. So because you've seen it, because you're doing the research on it, because you're in it, what do you think are the most pressing challenges facing the social work profession? And how can academia contribute to helping to address these? I think there's a lot, but it's really about, for me, it's about being able to bring groups of people in the community together and getting them working in the same direction towards solving an issue, whatever that issue is. And, and I think that's the challenge, especially today where we're so fragmented and divided and we can't sit down and have a discussion and listen to different perspectives without yeah. being offended by it. Yeah. Um, it, and it's not even about, we don't have to agree, but to be able to sit down and listen and hear one another and find that common ground and work together towards a solution that works for everybody. Yeah. That's, that's lost, but that's what community is. And then a big piece of that is, is helping people understand that even though maybe this problem doesn't directly affect me, maybe it's just those people on that side of town it still affects the overall function of the community, which I'm a member of, right? And so if the community's not doing well, I'm not doing well. So I ought to be concerned about what's happening in my community and making sure that everybody is healthy. But getting people to take on that perspective and buy into that's a challenge. You know, so that's really interesting because I've, so I've been a faculty member and working around higher education and, and hopefully, creating a foundation for how we can uh, address complex problems in our world for the better part of the last three decades. And I have always seen and heard community referred to as a thing. But I, I love how you're like referring to community as a philosophy, something, <coughs> excuse me, almost like a means of engagement. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, you know, as we work with our students and faculty across the curriculum, how do we help them to understand that philosophy and that way they're the catalyst for change in our communities? Well, it's really in, in our social work curriculum, well, social work curriculums across the U.S. We're not unique. All undergraduate programs that are accredited have to meet the same curricular criteria right. for accreditation. So, But it's really about helping students understand. So in social work, we talk about a systems perspective. 
And so we focus on teaching students how to engage with individuals, families, groups, organizations, and communities, and helping them understand that even though the focus on practice is going to be on individuals and families when they get out, if they're going to solve these larger issues, if they're going to do more than just put a Band-Aid on it, they're going to have to work in the larger systems to, to change the institutional structures that create the problems to begin with. So helping them develop the understanding of all the systems and how to intervene with all of those systems and build those skills um, is, is the focus. So it's, it's not only about changing their perspective and helping them understand that they've got to work across those systems, but helping them develop those skills as well. I, I love we're going with this it you know I think we want our communities to to grow and change for the better and so I'm reminded of listening to your your perspectives what Carol Dweck said with respect to a growth mindset that we need to focus on process versus product and and I think that that's really interesting how you're asking people not to do or say what you're what you're telling them but almost more think about how to think versus what to think so would you would you agree with that yeah and it's I mean you've got the outcomes that you want to reach but and I, and I think this focus that you mentioned on process is important um, we get hung up on well we got to we got to get this outcome we got to produce this end result and we drive towards it and, and people are outcome oriented anyway so a lot of my background especially in the last 10 15 years has been around community and organizational interventions to around mental health and wellness how do we bring systems and organizations and communities together to improve wellness and well-being in a community and so if you're only focused on the end result of improving wellness you lose sight of the fact that you, it's the community that needs to do the work you, you've got to get them engaged in the process You've got to empower them to do the work and show them how to do it, and they need to be doing the work because that's the foundation for sustainability of your efforts. Mm. If, it's, if it's just you that says, I mean, because I could walk in, you could walk in, yeah. anybody with some education and training and knowledge about what the issues are could walk in and say, oh, I think this is the issue, and I think this is what we need to do, and here's a plan, here you go, go knock it out. But it's not the community's plan it's not from their perspective and we make a bunch of assumptions when we do that we may be missing something so taking the time to focus on the process what how do you see the issue what do you want the outcomes to be how can I help you get there and helping the community come along but then they're invested they they understand the issue they understand what they're doing they're invested in it they're more likely to sustain it and they're more likely the next time this comes up to be able to work on solving the issue with less assistance from you, maybe even without any assistance from you, which is the whole foundation, that whole piece about empowerment. Yeah. We want them to be able to do this without us at some point. I, I love the way you're framing it. I, I think um, one of the big struggles of higher education, and I've, I've wrote about this a little bit, is that we go into these you know, struggling, socially vulnerable communities, under-resourced communities, either here in the United States or, or abroad, and we inevitably say, we're, we're the saviors. We are the great white hope who can hopefully, you know, fix their problems. And that could not be further 
from the truth. And, and even the way we do assessment and evaluation with respect to our learning objectives, we evaluate the impact of the experience on the student versus the student's impact on the community. And, and I think that there's such an opportunity to move towards a deeper space like you're talking about. Right. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, transitioning a little bit, um, at the Woods, you're the director of presidential projects, which for our listeners is basically the, the president has uh, just a myriad of wonderful ideas and he needs people to help actualize that vision. And so he strategically identifies certain people around the university to help him with those projects. And so these are things that create amazing sustainability, but also advancement of the, the mission of the university. And Steve, you get to kind of head that area up. And so I'm wondering if there's anything fun that you're working on currently to advance the university. Well, we've, we've been working on a couple of things. Um, just in general, let me, let me just talk a little bit about kind of the focus. Yeah. Um, so my background with this, where I came from, was we recognize the importance of community university partnerships and engaging the community and the university, it's beneficial to both sides. So you have a university, you have all these people with knowledge and expertise and skills that can be leveraged to help the community solve issues, and that creates opportunities for students to get service learning and practical experience and engage in all of this. And then you integrate the community and you build this connectivity. It, it shouldn't be that ivory tower piece. There needs to be you know, we're part of the yeah, community, too. Yeah. There's got to be that connection there. So one of the things we've done a little bit of work on this last year is healthcare is an issue in the community. So trying to figure out how can we as a university leverage the knowledge and resources we have to help the community address some issues with healthcare, um, which is a pretty serious uh, yeah. topic. Say the, the least. On the fun side of things, we also have been working with um, a local brewery trying to figure out how can we partner with a community entity and create a program here in brewing and brewing sciences and then create a university community partnership around that and leverage that around economic development community engagement creating opportunities for the community to come to campus and engage and getting our you know, for us to engage in the community and then students to be engaged in that whole process too. Yeah. So, you know, how can we how can we leverage again leverage all these resources we have to help the community? I think that's awesome because so often we just think about the bottom line. We think about how it impacts the university. But if if we are going to practice what we preach, we sure as heck be, better be thinking about who's around us that could potentially benefit from collaboration. And, and I love it that you're talking about walking with the folks in the community versus just doing for the folks in the community. I, I love that. Um, I also love the idea of community and connection. I don't think anything happens without community and connection. And so that's very cool that you were mentioning that. Um, to dig in a little bit to you know, who you are, do you remember as you reflect back like, what was that defining moment that really created a foundation for the amazing work you're doing? I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. That's a thinker. I know it is a thinker, right? Man, that's that's kind of not fair. I know. <laughs> you didn't, I mean, you, you I, didn't I, tell me I was gonna have to come in no, here and think. No, I I don't. I, I like to give some surprises. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I think, again, I go back to maybe the first first couple of weeks of my first social work class as a graduate student in intro. I mean, I remember learning about systems theory and, and the history and going, wow, this makes perfect sense given my experience. So I think that was an aha moment for me in terms of I chose to be here for other reasons, but as I'm sitting here right now, I'm going, I'm in the right, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm in the right yeah. place. You know, so what got me there were different reasons, but yeah, you know, it was a good fit for me. Um, I think my experiences in in law enforcement, I had some early experiences um, in administration. I was chief of police in a very small town. I learned some hard lessons about rural politics and rural town dynamics. I think those helped me later on in these initiatives to build community. and I realized the importance of spending the time up front to engage people in the process of change and have been able to communicate that to others over the years. So again, as I said earlier, you know, people are really oriented towards action. You know, I see the problem. I think I see what the solution is. I want to go do something about it Mm -hmm. as opposed to taking the time to bring other people along. And I think some, Maybe not necessarily an aha moment, but uh, a reinforcing moment for me was um, a project I was working on that was funded by the Hogg Foundation to um, improve community wellness and well-being in Nacogdoches County. And it was really tough because we spent about two and a half years engaging the community and identifying what the issues were around wellness and well-being and what they wanted to do to resolve it. So the end product was a common agenda about what they were going to do. And we had some members who were very action-oriented who wanted to take action and take action. I'm like, we're not ready yet because we haven't engaged the whole community. Just just stick with me, just stick with me, just stick with me. And most of them stuck with us. And towards the end, when we had the common agenda, came up to me and said later, I know why you wanted me to stick with it. I know why you mm-hmm. waited this long and took this path. And now those individuals are the biggest champions of what yeah. we're going, what we're doing, and why we use the process we used. So it's it's tough, but you know to see the light bulb come yeah. on for others. Well, and it's it's also that African proverb in in practice. You know, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together, and. I know that's a that's something that I have to constantly remind myself of because I'm like, let's move, let's go. We can we got all these opportunities and I get so darn excited. But but you're right. It's important to push pause and say, who might not be at this table that would allow us to go far? Yeah, that's that's huge. The rule piece of it is that you got to move. You really just have to move that much slower in a rural community. One, because people tend to be more reticent, but two, in a rural community, you make a mistake, you're defined by that mistake. Yeah, that's great. They got long, long memories. Yeah. Oh, you're that guy that did whatever. Yes. 30 years later, oh, I remember you when you and... Yeah, do you want to push pause for for 10 seconds and actually think through it or do you want to try to repair trust for 35 years exactly oh my gosh i'll take push pause oh okay so 
I know we talked a little bit about that defining moment that really created the foundation, but as you look across the, the course of your career, and, and, and please don't think you're at the end of it because we're not allowing you to leave anytime soon, um, what is something that you're most proud of when you look at your career? I mean, I, there's a lot of things, but I think um, two that really stand out for me is, is the project I just mentioned. Um, you know, I tell my students that, that the litmus test um, for community involvement, community engagement is you know you have a community engaged and committed to solving a problem when they're ready to put resources. Yes. When they're going to put resources and money towards it. Because as my grandfather used to say, boy, that's just lip service. Mm-hmm. You know, and talk is free. Yeah. You can sit and bump your gums all you want, yeah. and that doesn't cost anything. But putting resources and time into it's a different deal. And, and I say that to say this. We, we spent the two and a half, three years building that a common agenda and building um, community engagement and commitment and understanding of the issues and we had two things happen at the end of that that reinforced that we had done what we needed to do. One was we decided we wanted um, resolutions from the city council, the school board, and the county commissioner's court adopting the common agenda and saying we're going to support it. And we were able to do that within a month's time. So we had the city manager was part of our group, and he's like, look, I can't go to the city council and do this because it's awkward with me being the city manager. But if one of y'all will go to the city council, I'll push it from from behind. And in return, I will approach the school board about it because we had had school members. Yeah. And I'll be the front person to go to the school. And then somebody else said, well, if y'all will do that, then I'll go to the county commissioners. And we had, within about a month, month and a half, we had all three of those resolutions passed. That would have taken months to say, well, this is why it's important in a dialogue and maybe even some bickering about it. They were all like, yeah, we know what you're doing. We like what you're doing. We like this. Signed off and passed it. It's, it's It's Everett M. Rogers' diffusion of innovations. I mean, you figure out who the opinion leaders are. You work directly with those people because they have the relationships that you need to leverage for an adoption standpoint. So I, I love that. That's just incredible practice. Um, okay, transitioning just a little bit. As I, as I sit here and listen to your perspectives, I'm, I'm fascinated by this foundation that you have for doing this critical work, and I would love to draw a parallel, if you'll let me. You're a master dr- dive instructor, right? And that is, first of all, wicked cool. I have never been scuba, scuba diving. But if I was to go scuba diving, I feel like I would be safe in your hands. I'm wondering, what have you learned from your master diver role that has helped you to create a foundation for your work with the communities, the students, and, and really just set a foundation for how you approach life? Um. Well, so diving for me is, I mean, diving could be, somebody could do diving for work and do it commercially, but diving for me is recreational. Um, diving's something I do f- for fun, and, and it's relaxing. So I, I always tell students, you know, you get new students in the water for their open water dives, and it's like, they're like the Energizer bunny, man. They are all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, look, you, you have to dive behind me because I'm not chasing you down because this is, this is my weekend, this is my yep. leisure time, um, and, and I'm not working up a sweat for you. Well, so, so it's, it, for me, it's relaxing. Being underwater, 
diving is relaxing. It's it's a recreational thing, um, and but it's serious. I mean, it it can it's risky and it's serious, mm-hmm. and there are things that you have to do to stay safe. And if you don't do them, you're going to have an issue, and you're going to have an issue that could be life threatening. Yeah. So it, it's serious yeah. and it's fun at the same time, and and I think that's the one of the things I've gotten from this and teaching students is, you know, I'm a pretty serious person, but they're paying money for you to teach them how to dive recreationally. So you've got to make it fun. Yeah. But you got to be serious because there's things they need to learn to stay safe because you want them to be safe when they're doing it, but you want them to have fun. And so being able to find that balance as an instructor, how do you, how do you create an environment that's fun, but you keep that, that safety and that seriousness there too. Yes. How do you how do you do that? And so I think for me that's that's been the le- the lesson in it is doing that in in everyday life. It, this is a really neat way to look at it because as I look back to the time that I've spent trying to work with communities to to create some foundation for change, in- inevitably it's been really fun. It's been a lot of hard work, but it's been really fun. But, oh, my gosh, I have learned from my mistakes because there were things that I did, and not intentional, but the impact took away from the economic fiber of the community we were working with or, or maybe changed the culture a little bit in a way that we did not foresee and, and ultimately that had a negative impact. And so taking the time to pause and understand that it's a very serious thing that we're doing when we go into these communities and then creating the foundation to walk with them and do it right. That's just like being a good diver. That's awesome. I love it. Okay. Lightning round. You ready? All right. So the following questions stem from the questionnaire concept originated by French television personality, Bernard Pivot on his show apostrophes after the Prost questionnaire originated by Dr. Marcel Prost. And then, of course, popularized by James Lipton on the Inside the Actors Studio show. Dr. Cooper, are you ready? Go. Okay. (laughs) What is your favorite word? Yes. Ooh, I like it. (laughs) What is your least favorite word? No. (laughs) What gets you excited? Mexican food. (laughs) what turns you off people who aren't willing to try ah good one what sound or noise do you love music what sound or noise do you hate somebody dragging their fork across their teeth (laughs) what profession other than your own would you like to attempt nurse what profession other than what profession would you absolutely not want to do? You know, even though I've already done it, I think these days, law enforcement. I would That's not, tough. I would not want to be a police officer these days. It is, it is a tough gig. And as students, faculty, and staff at WWU and well beyond those listening to this podcast, what advice would you provide them as they embark upon their own or continue their own leadership journey? Be open-minded. Realize that you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know where to go find them. Mm. And sometimes there's more for you to learn from others than there is for you to teach them. So, Mm. uh, again, be open-minded. 
That's so cool. Steve, we cannot thank you enough. We sincerely appreciate it, and thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. So good. Well, from us here at the Leadership Conversation, that's a wrap. Another episode in the books. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode featuring the one and only Dr. Steve Cooper, professor, director of presidential projects, and director of the social work program at William Woods University. We want to thank Steve for his time, perspectives, and leadership. As we close, it's apropos to note that leadership is about aligning purpose and passion to create meaningful change in our world. Steve makes this a guiding premise every single day as he creates a foundation for our students to create real change for real people facing real problems. Ultimately, this is how we create a collective community of care. We want to thank Steve for that and thank him for being there. We hope that you've enjoyed this installment of TLC, and we hope that you join us again next time. This is Tony Inanoro signing off and reminding you that our world is a pretty crazy place that is in desperate need of real leadership. However, our opportunity to lead is predicated on our desire to act, and that starts with you. Thanks so much for listening. Take care out there, and have a great day.